and welcome to the Don't Be Afraid podcast. My name is Andrew. Thank you for listening. Today, we delve into a nautical mystery. One that includes submarines, the Cold War, Hollywood moguls, and more. That kind of rhymes. This is the tale named by the CIA Jennifer, but is also known as Project Azorian. I'm going to try to not pause so much because someone told me it bothered them. They're kind of a crybaby though, so I'll take it under consideration. In 1968, the United... Nope. In 1968... The Soviet Union lost its submarine designation K-129. America was looking for the submarine. And so was Russia. Due to advances in acoustic hardware available, America found that submarine. This advanced hardware was on the submarine called the USS Halibut. The sensor array on the Halibut was called FISH. It was a collection of cameras, strobe lights, and sonar. It weighed two tons, and they dragged it behind it. The Halibut located the wreck after three weeks of visual search using robotic remote-controlled cameras. This was an unusual-looking submarine, and it spent a considerable amount of time on the ocean floor. It conducted some of the most classified missions of the entire Cold War. This is an interesting piece of equipment, let me tell you. It reminds me of the subservice version of the NSA ship, the USS Liberty, a high-tech electronic spy ship in its own right. This submarine was originally made to carry five big nuclear missiles designated Regulus II. They look like drones, or like the bulbous Bell X-1 that Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier in. You might want to listen to my Chuck Yeager podcast. These missiles were large turbojet-powered cruise missiles. The submarine itself had unlimited range due to its nuclear reactor. In 1965, the missiles the Halibut were carrying became decommissioned. They were removed and the ship was overhauled at Pearl Harbor for 70 million US dollars. They installed a photographic darkroom, hatches for divers to enter and exit the submarine while spying on stuff and removing equipment or attaching equipment. They also added positioning thrusters so the sub could remain stationary during spying exercises. So picture like um, a hovercraft, something like that, so it could stay right where they wanted to stay. The Halibut had spaces to operate these remote operated vehicles, which were called fish. The fish were 12 foot long and had cameras, strobe lights, and sonar that could search at a depth of 25,000 feet. These remote operated vehicles, or ROVs, could be launched and retrieved from the missile storage bay. And the nerds who worked on the submarine referred to it as the Batcave, because they are dorks. The submarine also now came equipped with a 24-bit mainframe computer to analyze data 
I am ready, the computer says. The operation which pertains to the K129 submarine in question, which is the heart of the matter of Project Azorian, was called Velvet Fist. Again, cool names for stuff. Ha! Gay! During the operation, what happened? In January 1968, the 15th Submarine Squadron was part of the 29th Ballistic Missile Division, commanded by Admiral Victor A. Degallo. The submarine K-129 carried hull number 722 on her final deployment, during which she sank on March 8th. 1968. It was one of four mysterious submarine disappearances in 1968. Yeah, see, submarines, I've heard over the years, many say that they, uh, they crash all the time, and back then, 68, less sensor equipment. We've had these underground listening posts, uh, for some time, the U.S. has, and I believe also parts of the Echelon and similar programs share that data, or at least get access to that data. But these subs do crash. This is 68. 67 was a lot of flare-ups as far as geopolitics. There were things going on in the Middle East. Vietnam War. Yeah, those other four submarines. Submarines other than the, uh, the K-129. The others being the Israeli submarine, the INS Dakar, the French submarine, Minerve, the U.S. submarine, USS Scorpion. The Soviet Navy deployed a huge flotilla of ships to search for K-129. It never found her. Never did. The United States attempted to recover the boat in 1974, several years later, clearly, if we do the math. The vessel's position... 4.8 kilometers, or 3 miles, below the surface was the greatest depth from which an attempt had been made to raise a vessel. The cover story used was that the salvage vessel was engaged in commercial manganese nodule mining. So, Howard Hughes fronted the company the CIA asked him to, to say he was doing some type of weird undersea mining. They had a giant boat made by a CIA-affiliated shipyard. Massive boat made in a short amount of time under secrecy. And a giant claw made. Many make the, the correlation between the, uh, the claw game, the one you get in uh, those awful games they have at Denny's or wherever. Go down, grab, drops the item. And actually, funny enough, that's what happened. They did drop the item. Uh, one third of the submarine was recovered. The rest broke off the body, although they had all kinds of special things other than the claw to sort of secure the submarine. It um, There were harnesses, and they sort of drilled down, cut into the body, and... Yeah, they, they were as careful as he could be, but this was precarious work for sure. And they definitely had this dream team. This is part of the advanced science groups referred to the dream team. I, I believe they're part of the NASA launches, but you know they sort of uh, they're part of U two. I do know that. So correction, U two. And uh, they asked him, "Hey, can you uh, get a sunk sub?" 
down. These are all MIT graduated geniuses, super, super focused, super capable thinkers. And they said, sure, because they kind of just said sure to everything. Uh, you, you could, I think it's fair to call that arrogant. Not, not arrogant in the sense of some snotty clerk in a store, somebody bumps you at the bank. I mean, you know, kind of uh, flew too close to the sun kind of arrogant. We can definitely do it because I think so or I say so. And uh, they thought they'd figure it out later when pressed could they make a super giant claw to pick up a nuclear submarine uh, rotting on the ocean floor for several years. And yeah, as I stated, they dropped it or it broke. And um, they were able to recover the nuclear payload, which I believe they were not aware was on board at the time. They did not recover things like uh, intelligence documentation and codes uh, that stuff fell down to the surface and basically the project was in many ways a huge waste of time uh, some some might say some might argue in the process of the search I want to go back step back a little bit go with me uh, during the six-year search for the submarine a special recovery ship was developed that's the giant boat that I talked about. It had a specialized precision stabilizing equipment. The boat couldn't rock back and forth, so they had to make special equipment to make it uh, sit still. So when the claw would go down, it would recover. And that didn't work. It's called the Hughes Glomar Explorer. In the uh, visual presentations that I make available on the website and in the video presentation later, I'll, I'll show you some examples of that. I found some cool models of it as well. Uh, Lockheed titled the titled it the capture vehicle. It was affectionately referred to as Clementine. That's the claw itself. Did some digging, watched some other documentaries for you, and I found that they said um, from some YouTuber, this professor. I'm going to link to the source. He claims that someone in the intelligence agencies reached out to him. This is only three days ago, which is absurd because it's. Uh, January of 2018. It's a weird coincidence. Somebody in the intelligence agencies, uh, according to this guy, contacted him and said this was a Chinese setup. The Russians want to start World War III. So, based upon the... Um, they wanted to launch at Hawaii. This was all about targeting Hawaii due to the range. Uh, they wanted to make it look like China had launched an attack. But instead, that uh, submarine sank. Other Others... Um, theorized that it, it actually uh, crashed into a U.S. sub, which was sunk not too far around there. But this is uh, part of that whole story. There is, There are so many details I could, I could go into about this, about its construction, about the spies of the time, about the cutting-edge technology, the codes... The Code Breakers. It was very cloak and dagger. Very James Bond. And also very human due to the human error. You know, it's, uh, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad for the loss of life. At least that's kind of how, I'm, how I react to this. I don't want to be sterile. I want to be, give an honest reaction. Again, an example of uh, soldiers and resources. Lives, lives being lost. All this being flushed down the toilet because some bureaucrats have some sort of agenda want to make their career want to recover some big thing 
And yes, we make progress due to war often, unfortunately, due to the needs to kill each other and all that fun stuff. I don't want to sound like a hippie. I'm not a hippie, but it's everything needs a little pushback. Everything needs a little, hey, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Is this what you should be doing? Is this the best use of your time kind of question? And so, yeah, inside the submarine, there were code books that the Soviets desperately wanted to recover. They did not. We got the nuclear missile. Kind of all we got. Um, because Howard Hughes was a well-known global personality, his business would be a perfect front for the CIA. Uh, he'd done a lot of large, expensive operations over the years. Estimated cost, $800 million. This is sort of my, this is my general reaction to this story uh for more reading if this has piqued your interest i would recommend project azorian the cia and the raising of k129 by norman pulmar find that on amazon got some great reviews and the taking of k129 by josh dean i uh perused that book i read many reviews i watched several interviews with him he's he's good at uh, laying out his reaction to the story. Uh, he's written for several newspapers. I think I like I like his interviews more, but I think the Project Azorian book, quite frankly, is the better of the two. Anyways, I hope you've enjoyed this. Don't be afraid. Again, I am Andrew. I am thinking of you. I am making stories for you. I am trying to get better at this all the time. I appreciate your feedback. Thank you for listening.